0: Welcome to Never Rewrite. I'm Isaac Askew. And I'm Jeffrey Sherman.
1: And today we're going to talk about why you hate testing. So tell me, Isaac, why do you hate testing? What, What did testing ever do to you?
0: Well, I don't hate testing, but everybody else I've talked to seems to. And that's kind of what this episode is about. Out of maybe 200 or so engineers in the last 10 years, I've probably met around three or so that actually like testing. Most of them seem to do it just because they they have to do it or they just they know it's um, I, either they have to do it or they know that it's important, uh, but they don't actually just like enjoy it. It's just like it's still something it's work. Right.
1: Yeah. I mean, you put me definitely down in the I do it because that's the way to do good work. And I always try to do good right. work, not because I enjoy
0: it. Right there's i feel like a, a lot of people really just hate testing and maybe that's a strong word um but no i, I know lots of people who hate it <laughs> they feel well, strongly I, I was reflecting on it and I, I think i have some reasons uh why people probably do hate it and i, I was thinking about it recently like uh, uh i was thinking back to the first uh the first startup that i was at uh, and at the time I had never really considered testing as like uh, a thing outside of just like making sure that whenever you write your code uh, and you like, you know, load your page, that your function works, you know, just kind of like a QA Mm -hmm. kind of thing, not like testing in the sense that we're talking about here, which is like, uh, I guess, which is good not to be vague. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Testing is in like, Automated testing, writing, um, you know, unit tests, integration tests, acceptance tests—the testing pyramid is as, as 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 it is known. Big three, uh, <laughs> the big three. Um, so back then at that first company, um, when it when testing was introduced to me, uh, I think, I, I guess I didn't understand it because, like, I, I looked at it and I thought, okay, well, I am. I'm writing a test that's testing. The thing that I just wrote is doing the thing that I've already confirmed that it's doing. So like, what's the point? It didn't cross my mind that I would be preventing future regressions. It was just more like, here's more work you have to do to deliver. And I, I just, I didn't understand why. It just, it didn't seem valuable to me. It seemed like it slowed me down. Uh, and just like we um, you might see in some mocks, like uh, in uh, some testing mocks today, people can end up writing tests that actually don't do anything. they just assert that their own very contrived mock returned data they told it to return and that's the kind of like behavior I think that I was uh, that I was testing. I was actually writing a bad test and it wasn't that testing was bad
1: right I, I've definitely seen that where you by the time you get to the end you're like I'm not sure that I've actually tested anything other than that I know how to write a test um, so so why does that happen?
0: Well, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know why it happens uh, that people write tests that way. I think I think it's more of just an ignorance thing. Like when you first are trying to write tests and you don't really know what you're doing yet, um, you end up just going in there with any kind of framework, uh, looking at the documentation of that framework, and then uh, end up writing some kind of wacky thing just because it's your first time. I think it's your own attempt to write a test and then you do it poorly. And then you go, okay, this, this wasn't useful. Um, so I think it's, I think it's just ignorance. That's why. Hmm.
1: So you started <laughs> off not knowing why it was useful to test.
0: Yeah. I didn't know why it was useful to test. Um, and th- so I didn't do it. And at the, at that particular company, it didn't matter. Um, Well, one, because the company, uh, it was a startup that ended up not really making it uh, for for non-testing reasons. (laughs) Um, But uh, we could, like our clients use the code during the day and during the the night, we could push code uh, to our own heart's content, that kind of thing. And so since we could push code uh, and test on demand, basically, without the client being affected, we just did that instead. And we never really had automated tests uh, actually, we didn't even have a, a CI/CD pipeline or anything at the time. This is before we even had any kind of integrations like that. This was just purely going in and pushing code <laughs> on the live mm-hmm. machine, that kind of thing.
1: Were well, you pushing code in production?
0: Pushing code in production, yeah. And it worked uh, for that company. And so I never really had to learn at that company why testing was important. So I continued believing that testing was a waste of time and stupid just because I was doing it poorly but not knowing. So... It wasn't until the next company uh, that I went to that I actually saw um, a more useful test case. I, this actually kind of brings me to, I guess the first the, the first reason is not understanding why tests are use, useful. That's one of the first reasons for you know, hating testing. Uh, the second is uh, it's slow. Right, it's just
1: something that other people make you do. It's
0: something mm-hmm. that other people make you do. Uh, it, right, and so this is, this is the flow reason. Testing is slower. Um, so whenever I first got to the second company, um, they required testing. And I wanted, me being someone who basically relocated to this new company, I had to move across the country for it. Uh, when I got there, I wanted to hit the ground running. And they required tests and a lot more thorough code review there. And that really slowed me down because I, I got it would be like a one line change. It was just a small thing. And that's all, I literally just want to push this one thing and they wouldn't let me push it it didn't have test coverage Hmm. and so i thought okay well let me write a test and then i looked at it and they had a test framework there that was useful and they had some decent tests but a lot of them were acceptance tests um which were really slow and so writing them actually took not only not only were the tests slow but writing them took a long time too because there was a lot of mocking you had to do for that flow so I was really frustrated because delivering code required a lot more time than I was used to, and I was eager to prove myself. I wanted to go ahead and like, wow, Isaac just got here on day one and has already fixed like six stories, you know, and deployed, But I couldn't, I couldn't even deliver one in a day because I had to spend the rest of the day trying to figure out the nuances between behind their testing service, uh, how they write tests, the convention for their tests. Uh, and then just understanding and just in general, like what I was testing the you know the product itself.
1: was their code uh, easily testable or is that was it difficult and that's why they had um, unit tests in the first place?
0: Well, they had yeah acceptance tests rather or acceptance um, tests yeah, the, their code was difficult to test. So mm. um that's actually the the third reason I have uh, for for why testing or why you hate testing um, no. is that testing is hard. The, uh, for for code that is untestable, <laughs> which sounds kind of silly. <laughs> but there there is certain code that exists out there uh, that it might be like 3,000 lines of PHP code uh, in a single file with no, no classes. Um, and you can't really test that code uh, in a normal way that you might, might imagine testing, like a uh, nice object-oriented class-based code or something. And so it ends up being the case where you're given a huge file to test. There's Mm -hmm. one line in the file that you changed and there's no way you can reasonably test that file without refactoring a huge chunk of the logic. And the refactor itself would be untested because there's no test to begin with for this file. So you're in this kind of catch-22 situation where you have to refactor refactor code to make it testable so that you can test it.
1: And that's not easy for new developers. It's not easy for experienced developers. (laughs) It's the kind of thing that that gets foisted onto new developers. Like, hey, well, congratulations on graduating college. Welcome to the company. (laughs) Here's some terrible code. Write some tests. Uh, You're going to have to refactor it without understanding anything.
0: Right. It's like day one, you want to make a change. You think you know the system. But first of all, you don't know the system, you don't know the product yet, so there's no way you can make a, a change safely, mm. which is why you need tests to begin with. Um, and then you can't even test the code that you're given because either a test framework maybe doesn't even exist and they just started requiring testing or the, the code is so old and convoluted and non-object oriented and just functional that uh, it becomes very difficult to to extract and test it. So. The normal method would be like you find a chunk of code, a chunk of logic, and you need to extract that area that you changed. Mm -hmm. Um, But some of the code might be so old that there's like 10 dependencies that you have to pass into that particular function from like API helpers to, you know, Google class or some other kind of API that you need, Um, some globals that you'd pass in because you don't want to use globals in the test or mock those for the test. Mm -hmm. And then you end up having this uh, function that requires like 10 to 20 parameters because of how convoluted the code is. And then you need to mock each one of those parameters for your test, which is good because you've done dependency injection. You're working slowly towards more testable code. Uh, but then, now you're stuck with mocking every parameter you passed in to make sure you can get to the last bit of logic you were trying to test for your code mm-hmm. change. So it ends up being an, an incredibly long uh, process just to get your first test going, especially if no one has tested that file before and there's no other code examples that you can use from other developers to kind of copy and paste and and tinker with to kind of like start to learn how to test better.
1: Right, it sounds like a case of well, we we've sinned in the past and now that we we have sinned in the past and we we've seen the light, so do as we say not as we've done. Right. And you you are now responsible for the sins of our of our fathers. We've written this terrible stuff and you get to write the tests.
0: Exactly. Yeah. And so um, it, it's one of the situations where you kind of uh, are required to pair with somebody uh, who is more senior just to understand the code and the, and the code change around it. Uh, there's definitely companies I've joined that did not even have a testing suite set up. And so uh, telling a junior developer or someone at least more junior to testing, uh, telling them that they have to add tests, but first you have to find a framework, then install that framework <laughs> and have it set up. And then testing also, testing doesn't matter if you don't even have a CI/CD pipeline that, you know, requires your tests pass. I've actually seen a project before as well where there is a test directory uh, and then mm-hmm. you, you, it's on the developer to just uh, run that suite and say, yep, I promise I ran it and it passed before I tried to push it. Because uh, normally your pipeline will be something that if a test fails, it rejects your PR from being a- mergeable. Uh, but there are some cases out there where they don't do that either
1: i I worked at a place around two thousand eight um, and it was it was international and so we mm-hmm. would have Swedish de- it, companies' headquarters in Sweden uh and the Swedish developers had a nasty habit of pushing broken code right before the end of the day Sweden time Oof. so that the Americans would have to fix it um, <laughs> we'd we'd come in and their last thing would just be they commit something and they're like, oh, it, the test also took 45 minutes. So they'd be their last okay. commit. Um, and this is back in the subversion days when you didn't branch so much. So mm-hmm. everybody worked off trunk.
0: Right. So what did you do? Did you just... Uh... Uh, we swore at
1: them. A, oh. A lot. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean like... with the Russian developers who also <laughs> thought that the Swedish developers were bad.
0: Interesting. Okay. No, I meant like what did you do? Like, I assume that the pipeline failed and that you just kind of like uh, it pulled down code and the, the test didn't pass and then you had to correct those tests and correct the code?
1: Yeah, uh, that that or you just didn't um, pull down the, the latest that day. It was, it was another thing. <laughs> um, all kinds of passive aggressive activities going on there. Um, it was not a healthy situation.
0: It doesn't sound like it. <laughs>
1: <good. laughs> that company eventually went went under um actually that has a very good uh full rewrite story as well but oh fantastic for a future episode future episode
0: well yeah those are um oh actually one other thing uh that I thought was interesting is that um when I went through uh university they did not require that we learn any testing so i in in none of my classes across four years of classes was there Uh, a a testing framework mentioned I was surprised by the fact that testing automation was a thing when I graduated that's how uh, blindsided I was by this process which is kind of baffling to me in retrospect like that colleges would not require that or at least the college my college at the time in 2000 2009 to
1: 2013. Mike my college also I don't remember writing any unit tests uh, and this was 96 to 2000 Um, so slightly more forgivable, but really not, um, that, that's a bit of the dichotomy of, you know, universities versus trade schools where universities try to get you to to think about software and engineering, uh, but yeah, trade schools actually teach you how to code.
0: Actually, speaking of, of which, um, the, uh, when we go back to reason, uh, the second reason, which is testing is slower. Mm-hmm. Know, and a lot of people don't like doing it. I the startup culture kind of reinforces that. They want you to move quickly, and so uh, I think it doesn't really help that uh, if you if you're if you just joined your first startup outside of college, you haven't learned some of the testing stuff in college. Mm-hmm. Um, and then no one in the, your earlier startups have ever taught you the usefulness of it by the time you start requiring that and maybe a more mature company that needs those tests in place like a finance company that would certainly want test coverage around money movement.
1: Oh, um, you'd think that.
0: Yeah, okay. It sounds like there's like <laughs> a little bit of a thread to pull there.
1: Uh, just uh, having worked in finance for well about 15 years total, uh, let me mm-hmm. assure you, there is terrible terrible code around money movement uh,
0: that is absolutely
1: terrifying um uh, the the best or not the best but a recur- reoccurring recurring theme is don't use doubles or floats to represent money um uh, mm-hmm. that is a very very common mistake that if you can imagine why that might be a bad thing uh, because they're not precise enough right and they round. So we've got three three reasons why people might hate testing. Mm-hmm. They're just ignorant of the value. Uh, it slows them down, and it's hard. Right. And so we didn't really cover kind of the the enlightened version. So mm-hmm. you're ignorant of why testing is valuable to you. Why is testing valuable to you? Is you posited you just wrote the code, uh, and now it's written, and you you manually tested it. Mm-hmm. How much better, how much value do you get out of writing a
0: test at that point? Uh, that's the tricky part. It's about future value. It's about future you or future your colleague, right? Mm. So it's hard to tell how much value you got in the moment, especially because like um some people are like big on like happy path testing versus like one hundred percent pie in the sky kind of dream test coverage, that kind of thing. I don't think you'll really ever appreciate. Uh, the value or the usefulness of testing until you see a case where it prevented something bad from happening. And that's kind of hard to to see. Uh, you can't, I've seen it, I think, um, at that second company I mentioned, the one where I first found kind of like, oh, this is interesting. Um, I found uh, the a pipeline that failed because of a change that I made. Um, and the pipeline failed because a unit test failed. And that caught a change uh, of mine that would have broken another component. Um, and so before I had not seen that concept. It was like, I thought I was just testing my code. And then I realized the change that I made broke somebody else's tests. And then I thought, oh, okay, all right, I'm seeing the bigger picture now. It's about the regression. It's about locking in my current functionality so that future me doesn't break it. Or one of my colleagues uh, in the future doesn't mm-hmm. make a change, ends up breaking my code. So it, who cares if you QA your current code and it works? Because that's, it's about the future. And these things can I, kind of start. I mean, I would
1: like you to QA your current code because I, <laughs> I
0: had plenty of incidents where
1: they didn't work and if they had done any basic sure, test data, sure. I, <laughs> I can phrase that better. I mean,
0: who cares if you only QA your current code? Okay. You, that's like saying the, the sun was shiny when I was there the other day. It, it makes no sense. No, no one cares about that particular snapshot in time. They care about it continuing... Uh, To have the same kind of uh, behavior over time, that you can still keep coming back with your test run and that it keeps uh, keeps passing. Um, Mm -hmm. So, like, there was one thing, there was one uh, case I was thinking of at another prior company where the style sheet, there was like the shared style sheet um, between a lot of components, and people would keep changing one particular class, not realizing it affected some other things using that same class. And so it would keep breaking the style. Every so often, when someone made this change, not realizing how many components were using that. Um, and so, one of the product people kept going, Why do we keep having this problem? We've already fixed it. And then it happened again three weeks later, and we fixed it again. Why do we have to keep fixing this? And it was because nobody was writing a test to ensure that uh, this the styles had not changed. Or, And this is a little trickier because it's like design related and, and you know, versus like functional, uh, but it's the same kind of concept if you don't have any kind of test at all in place, uh, you can't prove that your code won't behave differently tomorrow when someone makes a different change. That is the main value.
1: Mm. Okay. So that that covers ignorance, right? The -hmm. the cure to ignorance is knowing that it's not about testing today. It's about future you or or your colleagues screwing it up, not even knowing that they're screwing it up tomorrow. Right. Um, So how about testing makes you slow when somebody complains well if I stop and write unit tests it's going to make my work slower well what do you what's the response to that
0: the initial response to that is get over it um because there's no way like if you if you are writing you know 100 lines of code yes to write tests for 100 lines of code requires more time there's no way around that it's going to be mm-hmm. a little bit longer or it could be a lot longer depending on how bad your situation is for your Testing situ- yeah, at your company, basically how how mm-hmm. bad the code looks, how if people already have pre-existing you know tests and examples and mocks set up that you can use that kind of thing, right? Um, but it's one of those things that uh, as you start seeing the value in it, that little bit of extra time to lock in your functionality ends up paying huge dividends later because you can look and see, or at least for people who track their work and you know the mm-hmm. bug fixes and that kind of thing you can see how often you're going back and fixing things that had an issue, like a previous bit of code that was broken. And someone said, okay, well, here's an edge case, or here's some other thing that we broke over time. You can look back at those tickets and say, that's X amount of hours spent or money lost. And with tests in place and done properly, you can see less tickets and less hours being wasted. So again, it's one of those things that in the moment might seem like it slows you down in the moment. It might not seem like it has much value. But it's going to prove itself over time,
1: right? The, the time to write a test is so much less than the time to debug something that broke in production. One hundred percent. Right. I have seen many teams that are just absolutely crushed. There's a bug. There's tons of bugs every day. There's reports. They have to figure out what's going wrong, and it takes hours. You know, usually they have one developer full time just triaging and, and working on bugs, and it's like, well, if you, if you had tests these bugs wouldn't be happening.
0: Right. And it's and hard it's, to,
1: you'd go so much faster because you'd get a hold the developer back.
0: Right. And you had that kind of context swapping too. Like imagine the first time that you're, you're deep diving into some really tricky code and you finally figure out, oh, this is where I make the change to affect everything. Man, this was so hard to find. Then imagine not writing a test for it. And then three months later, a bug happens and you don't really remember <laughs> exactly <laughs> where you made that change. So you you have that same discovery process all over again, however many hours all over again, unless you just had a really good memory. The bug itself might not even be, it might not it might not even bring up any memories. It might be something that doesn't even seem related to your change until you finally spend double, triple the time tracking down what happened. And then you're like, oh, it was this thing. And that's mm-hmm. gonna keep happening to you. You can't see it in the moment, but it will happen to you if you do not have at least basic testing.
1: Okay. So good. So we've we've covered ignorance, we've covered uh it slows you down. How about testing is hard? Uh what do you say to, to junior to like you know early career developers who are like, man, testing is really hard. You know, I, I came into this company and I have to make this test, and it's just it's really hard to test.
0: Yeah. Testing is hard uh when the code is untestable. <laughs> like I mentioned earlier. This is kind of a funny um a funny thought, but you can write uh tests or sorry, you can write code that is not very testable code, right? Mm-hmm. So that type of code where you just kind of, like, uh, where you don't write things that are either, um, they don't have to necessarily be object oriented, but but like things that are easily abstracted into small functions and little pieces where you're passing in just a few parameters, that kind of concept. If you don't write code that's uh, testable in that way, then yes, it's really hard. And so again, to kind of dive into that, because that's kind of vague, if you mm-hmm. like if you imagine right now, like a really old file, again, like we'll go back to this idea of like three thousand lines of code. It's just like someone just typed a bunch of stuff in one file. You can't really test that very easily. Imagine if you were trying to test the entire file and it was one big function. Mm-hmm. You'd have to mock everything, every global, every uh, included package, every API helper, everything you can think of uh, until you until your actual uh, test for that was like triple the size of your actual file. So that kind of a code is basically untestable. So that's why testing is hard or it seems hard is because you're trying to test code someone wrote poorly. If you write uh, or if you uh, try to test code that's clean, it's really fun and easy. Um, and you can mm. see that by actually doing stuff like test driven development, where you start with your test and your assertion saying, if I make this call to this function, I should expect this value. And then building your code around that assertion until the assertion of the test is true. And then when you look back on it and you see, oh, wow, this actually was really easy to test. Or if you even take away your test, look at the code, then try to add a test back to that code, you'll find it's very easy to add a test to it because you wrote it to where it's so decoupled from the rest of the logic there. So yes, testing is hard, especially in startup code where you're, you're moving very quickly and often writing very poor code. But when done right, testing can be easy. So don't, every anytime you think testing is hard, don't blame testing. Blame the code that was written before it. So
1: to rephrase, if testing is hard, that means your code sucks. Yes.
0: <laughs> your code is not structured very well. We'll, 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 we'll phrase it that way.
1: Okay. Um, and that somewhat ties back to the our our overarching theme which is people are going to want to rewrite that code you know testing is hard I, i can't test it i need to rewrite it but how do you rewrite it if you don't know what the current code does and you can't
0: figure it out right so that does go back into this concept of characterization to where like you either way you're going to have to understand your system if, if you're trying to sell the pitch of a rewrite, you have to understand what features you currently have uh, so that you can rewrite those features behave in the same way. So like we mentioned last time, while you're at it, just go ahead and write tests for those things. Start extracting that code uh, piece by piece uh, and start writing those tests. And the, the more you refactor that code, uh, the easier that functionality is going to be to test.
1: So you're saying if you iteratively refactor your code to become <laughs> testable, and then you write the tests, by the time you get to the point where you could rewrite the code with confidence, you will no longer feel that you need to rewrite it because the code won't be terrible anymore.
0: Right, exactly. And you won't be scared of changing that code. Once you've extracted and tested that code to a reasonable behavior, Like again, you don't have to be like a 100% test coverage every branch, but to a reasonable path, the danger and scare around, oh, I have to edit this crazy code goes away.
1: And you can do it iteratively.
0: Right. Just piece by piece. So it doesn't require, like when you see a bunch of bad code, you don't think I have to rewrite the system to make it testable. Don't think I have to rewrite the system in general, just because it's trash. Uh, Just take a good hard look at what the the feature actually is or different features that are in that code. And then see, there's there's things called fracture points. You can see Mm -hmm. where you can take out little pieces of functionality bit by bit and death by a thousand needles, the thing rather than try to destroy it. What I mean is like each little needle takes away some of that big behemoth and moves it into a nice little tested component until you haven't um, destroyed the entire thing and rewritten it. You've just, uh, what's the the ship uh, concept?
1: Oh, the, the ship of uh, Theseus.
0: Right. Where you you replace bit by bit by bit until it's a brand new system, but you haven't destroy the entire thing you iteratively replaced ship you don't need to destroy the entire ship just replace the broken boards one by one
1: i i wrote a blog post about that recently we'll have to link to that in the show notes i called it the code of theseus if you've iteratively replaced the entire system have you rewritten it is it the same system
0: find out more at sherman software.com yes show notes
1: um cool have we have we beaten have we convinced everyone the, not to hate testing uh, <laughs> <laughs> have we convinced I, anyone not to hate testing
0: I feel like the startup industry is a I hate testing generator <laughs> it takes a lot of like reflection to understand uh that it testing isn't the problem that you're uh the testing is not the thing you should be mad at but um over time people will learn yes
1: yeah. well I think the startup culture puts you at the the crux of all of them it's people who are junior and so they are ignorant because they just came out of college uh it's people who need to go as fast as possible uh and it's people who when they encounter terrible code from their predecessors they don't have the skills needed to refactor because that's the hardest part hardest thing to do is to understand and refactor in a scary system where you have nothing so the the lesson is don't join a startup <laughs> Don't join a startup. <laughs> join a mega corporation. <laughs> join a join a soulless mega corporation and have your soul crushed. And then test. This
0: podcast brought to you by Microsoft.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um awesome. Uh I'll throw out our appeal. Uh if you have are in the middle of a full rewrite or you're thinking about a full rewrite or you've even participated in a full rewrite and you want to tell us about how it went wonderful and we're totally wrong. Uh or commiserate with us about how it, it went wrong in exactly the way we kind of say it will. Um, we would love to have you on. We're looking for guests. And
0: uh thank you for listening. I'm Jeffrey Sherman. And I'm Isaac Askew. And this is Never Rewrite.